Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's time once again for another episode of Closing the Wealth Gap. Because, well, you only have to look around. You know what's happening. The rich are getting richer and the poor. Ah. Well, let's bring in the man who can help explain this wealth gap and teach us how to close it. The man who's been doing it for millions. Tyrone French. Hey, Tyrone. Hey, Paul. Happy New Year, buddy. Happy New Year to you. It's 2021, and it becomes more clear to me than ever for anybody who's looked at the news as of late. There, We're really living in a world of two Americas, two different, two different worldviews, two different, two different sets of facts, two different, two different ways of looking at the world here. Not only are we living in two Americas, but that gap between those two Americas are getting wider and wider every day. Yeah, really And is. so we got to get to the point where we understand based on perception, looking at both sides. And we kind of kind of look at it as though one person is colorblind and another person isn't. And they're looking at the same picture and they're trying to explain the vividness of that picture. And the, the person that's colorblind can't see what the other person that's not colorblind is talking about. Boy, you, and, based, you, and that person is right from their perspective, and the other person is absolutely right from their perspective. Yeah. But the conditions, the conditioning, and the programming is totally different to whereas they can't see it. How can two people? This is what throw. I'll just give you a little background on me, and it will kind of set the stage for what we're going to talk about here. So I guess I should be a Trump voter. I'm 65 tomorrow. Yikes. I'm a white male. I uh, grew up in suburbia, uh, in an you know, affluent suburbia. I was surrounded by people who all looked like me. I lived in Leave it to Beaverland here in the Midwest. Um, and I left because I wasn't satisfied with that. I came to California to seek my fortune, seek go west, young man, find the California gold. I, and I found a world that was exciting and vibrant and where very few people looked like me. It was everything. It was, I found that exciting. Um, but my friends and relatives back there are the Trump followers, the one America that I'm still so amazed with. And they look at me like I've left the tribe. I've lost my mind. You came to California. You, you, you're crazy. Uh, you've forgotten your roots. And I'm like, no, I didn't. Because my roots were Irish Catholic they were spurned when we came over. We were the first hated group of immigrants that came over in the Great Potato Famine. And then I'm partly Polish, and then we came over in the 1900s, and nobody wanted the dumb Polacks any more than they wanted the drunk Irish. Uh, you know, this notion that we're just because our skin is all light that we're all somehow brothers. That wasn't true for hundreds, the first 200 years in America here. The Ku Klux Klan fought against uh, Irish Catholics as much as they did African Americans and other uh, and immigrants. So I, I came here... And I'm constantly in touch, not constantly, but I'm still in touch with friends and family from there who have a totally, we, we talk, they see the same fact. I see the same day-to-day -day occurrences. Um, and one says it's evil and one says it's good. One says it's uh, uh, black and one says it's white. Uh, one says it's up, one says it's down. I can't understand how we... And I came from this world. I, I try and understand what they're seeing, the fear they're feeling, 
but, but so, I, Paul, let me jump in here. Let me, yeah. let me jump in here. Cause I, I totally get what you're saying, but the difference in the 20th century is technology. Yeah. And think about, think about maybe in the 19th and 18th century with something happened in Europe, uh, it took a long time for that message to travel, right? Fast forward today, your information is coming uh, at the speed of light in nanosections, uh, nanoseconds. And what's happening is, and Napoleon Hill coined it, he talked about auto-suggestion, mm-hmm. which is self-suggestion. And just remind and everybody, for those, the few that might not know Napoleon Hill, but he wrote a famous book, he studied. Napoleon Hill, yeah, he wrote this book called Think and Grow Rich. And it, it's a very, if you're talking about be, you know starting a business or, or uh, being on this uh, success track, uh, Think and Grow Rich is almost like the Bible that that you know pretty much lays out as far as a formula. And let me throw in one uh, other thing you, because I I don't think most people realize this. And he wrote the book by studying the habits of successful people. And the three that he studied the closest, uh, if I remember correctly, was because this was written in like the 1920s, a hundred years ago, which is a very right. similar time to what we went through. Everything old, everything old is new again here. 1920s are just like the uh, 2020s. Um, and there were all these fortunes being made, new industries being born, like the auto industry with Henry Ford and Henry Firestone inventing tires to go on that, and Edison inventing all these other inventions that nobody had ever seen before to replace the horse and buggy and electric lights and everything. It was a wild time of innovation and, and acceleration, cities exploding like Detroit that had been little farm towns before. And, and those three men in particular were friends and hung out, and he studied their habits. Not only did he study, he studied, it was a group of 500 people. As a matter of fact, he called it a mastermind. Yes. Right. And if you look at, go back to those three, Thomas Edison, um, Henry Ford. And, and Firestone, uh, Harvey Firestone. Firestone right. Harvey, Harvey Firestone. What they did was it, you kind of equated to McDonald's, meaning that when that McDonald's be, became a corporation, the people that made money with McDonald's that you would even, wouldn't even think about, but the people that supplied the salt, packets, yeah, the ketchup so, packets, oh, the Heinz. Yeah. So he talked, he called that a mastermind, but what he was, what he was really elating, elating to was that we get to the point where if you hear a message and going back to the industrial age, that's what they, they call that period of time, the industrial age. Exactly. But it was only a few people in that time that, that were really considered the mega rich. Yeah. Because right. the ordinary citizen couldn't plug into that wealth. What they did was they contributed, they were income producing assets for that wealth. They were workers. They were trading time for money. Mm-hmm. But Napoleon Hill coined this phrase auto-suggestion, which is self-suggestion. And what that means is that you can literally hypnotize yourself or reprogram yourself by telling yourself the same thing over and over and over again. Even if it's a lie, yes. if you convince yourself to believe that lie, then that becomes a new narrative for your life. That's why some people, they have a hard time, uh, you know, losing weight where they have a long, a hard time uh, changing their habits or developing new habits is because the narrative that's going on in their mind that they're not even thinking about subconsciously. They're not worthy. They're not attractive. They're, they're dumb and stupid. They can't happen. Yeah. Right. All these things, maybe their parents told them or their teachers told them, or they told themselves it's uh, they've put these, these narratives into their head. So the tragic, the tragic part about it is that they believe that lie. They believe it. So if, if somebody comes on a, a, a positive figure, uh, somebody that's in an authoritative position, and they tell you mis, misinformation 
or if they flat out lie to you and you believe in this person, not only are you going to believe the lie, but then you're going to repeat that same narrative. Everybody. And in, 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 in today's information age, information travels exponentially. It doesn't just hit one-on-one and go from one, two, three. It goes two, four, eight, 16, 32. So you're at millions of people. In minutes. By the end of the day. Yeah. That, that, that's starting to believe the same lie or the same misinformation that was told to them. And a lot of times, again, they don't even know how it got started. Well, that was the whole, you know, whether you believe this or not, but the whole idea of Russian hackers and planting stuff in Facebook and all this misinformation so it would get spread, picked up and spread. Uh, and uh, everybody knows how to do this stuff. To, these rumors start and then pretty soon everybody believes it. But you have to have a, you have to have a predisposition to believe you have to be looking for an answer. You have, and, and I always say this, you have to believe the answer isn't in me. There has to be some external reason why I'm poor, why I'm uh, angry, why I, I, I don't get what I want. There's a boogeyman out there. Somebody, there's a simple answer. That's the source of all conspiracies. Uh, I don't understand why this is happening. And somebody says, it's aliens. And you go, of course, of course, that explains it all. It wasn't my fault. It's the aliens. You know, and that is a tactic that pretty much the the ruling class and the wealthy class have always done that. When you got wow. to the when you get to the point where you've always I don't care what what society you you look at, when you get to the point where the divide between the haves and the half nots gets so wide that the people will are starting to rebel, what they'll do is they'll use the same tactic to say, Oh, it's not us, it's them. Right. It's and them. so they get the people to fighting amongst themselves. Right. And I'll oh, say this: this uh, group of people is that group of people. As a as a history major from University of Michigan and graduated magna cum laude, thank you. I'm a pretty good history buff and everything here. And I will tell you that this accelerated in the 20th century, in the 1920s, exactly 100 years ago, when mass first mass media was born. We'd had newspapers, but suddenly we had radio. And shortly after that, in the 40s and 50s, we had television and we had motion pictures that everybody in the world is getting the same message and quickly and the same images. And the masterminds, of course, I'm not going to go deep into this, but everybody knows this. Adolf Hitler, Joseph Goebbels, uh, they controlled the mass media in Germany and, that, that, and then Stalin in, in Russia. Russia. That's right. And it's continued on. Uh, why do you think the Chinese fight so hard to keep control over the Internet in their country? Because any authoritarian uh, dictatorial force, any authoritarian figure that wants to control the masses controls the media because you control their minds. You control what they okay. consume. 1984, the book. But Paul, think about it. What they're doing is they're following the same paradigm. If you look at a computer, look at a PC, the PC is only going to do what the operating system is programmed to do. Garbage in, garbage out, right? Garbage in, garbage out. So they kind of, you know, they look at us as far as individual PCs. And then all of a sudden they took that individual PC and then they connected them. And then they took a a central connection and made them, uh, you know, compatible based on an internet. And so now you got this this super highway of and again every coin has two sides. Yeah. So the internet is one of the best inventions in the world for bringing about change and growth, but it also has a very destructive power based on the medium that you have been conditioned 
to pro, to plug to plug into. Well, let me it's let me like, expand look, on that a little like bit. This. Look at it like this though. Look at it like a radio frequency. You got a radio in your car, right? And you you turn your radio on and you're listening to a certain uh, jazz station or mm, blues, whatever it is, informational station. But the thing is, at the same time, all of those other frequencies are being transmitted, but you're just not on that frequency. You're not you're tuned not, in. You're not listening into it. You're not tuned into it. And Tim, so Timothy you, Leary said in the '60s, baby, uh, drop out, tune in, and turn on. You know that was the whole message: <laughs> is uh, find the right frequency. You just if you don't get what we're doing, you're just not tuned in. You're not tuned in. And but again, you're tuned in to what you believe could be. It could start out as entertainment, but then it could quickly uh, morph into something very destructive. Yes. All right. So let me and just expand. Let me expand upon that because I'm in the media and I'm fascinated by the history of media and the, and the power of media uh, from evangelical mega preachers to uh, politicians to giant media companies, the way they track and control. And, and if you like this and we'll give you more of this and they feed you what you, they want. And the thing that is so great and so bad about the internet, it is I'll show off a little bit here again. We just went through Christmas. Charles Dickens wrote the famous Christmas tale. He also wrote a book called A Tale of Two Cities. And in there, the opening... Two cities. Yeah. And in it, the opening line is, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. That seems to be our times. It was the worst. And that you could be this two opposites at the same time. So what they do in the media, in my opinion, I'll make this quick, is that the internet allows everybody to talk you have, you're your own media company now. You're your own radio station. You're your own newspaper, your own TV station through YouTube. You don't have to go through the giant corporations who controlled what you saw and, and did. You can just tell it to the world like we're doing today. But exactly. because there's so much stuff out there, there's nobody curating it. And so we find these little pockets of people who share the same thing we do. And they say, check this out, check this out, check this out. And we become this little isolated bubble where we don't see the rest of the frequencies. We're not going up and down the dial anymore here. We're just tuned into that one little channel that fits our preconceived notion. Exactly. And, and here's the thing. A lot of times it's without a, it's without a filter. Oh yeah. See, right. of, see when that, see when that certain media is coming in, there's certain filters, there's certain sponsors um, that's pretty much, you know, filtering out, you know, the real the noise, you know, this is, this is obscene. This is over the top. This is very destructive. Absolutely. This is going to come back to haunt us, but it, you can literally plug into this medium now with no filters. And then it goes back to your individual character. As much as you want to, uh, people want to blast the media that I know many people who went to journalism school or broadcast school, and there were standards they were taught whether or not they were pushed to in a, be more liber liberal or whatever, but they, they were taught journalistic standards. And, the, and if they weren't held to it, the competitors would hold it to them and say, well, he, that's a lie. He just lied to you there. They, were, they monitored each other here. And then the federal government on top of it through the FCC and other sorts of things would help monitor and keep, keep some lids, keep it within some boundaries. You could sway so far, but if you got too far out of it, they'd call you on it and they'd make people aware of it. Now there's nobody calling balls and strikes. It's, it's, we're, we're playing without any rules. There are, there are nobody, uh, there is nobody checking the facts. And that's what is blowing up in the face of Facebook and Twitter and all these sites. They said, we're just, we're just the forum. 
don't ask to us to judge if it's lie or not. We're just letting people communicate that we're the telephone no, company here. That's right. No, no accountability. But here, here's the thing that you're going to start hearing in the future, just like what happened in Germany, uh, Nazi Germany at the end of the war. People started saying, well, I was just following orders. Oh, yes. The worst lie in the world. Following orders and people are going to start backtracking. Here's the thing. When you can when you can project that we're going to have a, a crowd here. Um, like we did you, this you, past you week in Washington. Up, yeah. You whip that crowd up to a frenzy. And, and you, it's almost like uh, similar to a revival. Yes. You know, and it, it, there's a spiritual aspect to it. Very much. And you, you, know, you whip them up white hot and then all of a sudden you let them go with this narrative, this false narrative that the enemy is in this building. What did you what what did you think was going to happen? Particularly now, when you point you, them at the building, if they didn't make the connection, they said they, he said they're. I, I'm a very anti-Trumper, so I'm sorry I'm going to go down this path a little bit. But in this example you're doing, Trump not only summoned the people and whipped them up like a evangelical preacher would or a, a tent revival preacher, he pointed them and said, now let's march to the Capitol. Did he think they would just stop at the building and, and rant and rave or that they would charge the building and take control of it? My point that I brought up Napoleon Hill, uh, the mastermind group, auto-suggestion, it's because these are these are formulas. Yes. He, oh. Trump knows exactly what he's doing. Absolutely. He knows exactly what he's doing. Then to not take response, try to not take responsibility for it. But based on his 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 flawed character, he may say, "Well, you know what? That was a bad thing." But on the two seconds later, he'll come out and say, "But I liked it." Or I love you guys. Yeah, you know Whatever he said, what he great said. Job. That's what he said. He said. Uh, he said. All right, time to pull back after a couple hours. But I love you. It's now. Here's the thing. Okay, again, going back to tales of two Americas. I just got to put this out there. Can you imagine if that crowd? Now, some people on my show, I'm, I'm African-American. I know where you're going to go. Yeah. If, you can, if you can't imagine if that crowd was 9.99% look like me, the outcome would have been totally different. Totally different. Nobody, they didn't even arrest those people that night. No. Well, the ones that, the ones that got arrested... They got arrested because they were violating the curfew. Curfew later, 40 of the 60 people or something like that were curfew violations. Yeah, they opened the door. They, they pushed them out and opened the door and said, please go home. Nobody went to jail. They may now, because of the outroar, they're going to try and track some of them down after the fact through internet pictures. But that was the most mind-boggling thing to me of all, that, that this crowd got whipped up and came in. The cops weren't ready or simply stepped aside and said, we can't handle this, or I hope not. We're sympathetic to it. Whatever it was, they got in pretty easy. They hung around there for hours, and then they said, "Okay, leave now." And they did. If that was, oh, and, was and if it was it an African American crowd, or if it was a, can you imagine if it was a Muslim crowd or anybody other, a group of uh, Hispanics or any other absolutely. group? That, oh my God! Absolutely, people dead stop. all over the place. But again, it was not a shock to us. It was not a shock to me. It just, it was just normal. You know, when I could, when I saw. Uh, one of these police officers, the Capitol Police, was walking one of the protesters down the stairs gingerly, so that she, you know, so that she could, she wouldn't hurt herself. Yeah, right. I thought about Dylan Roof, that had gone into that black church, killed all those people, 
South Carolina. And when he was apprehended, they treated him. Matter of fact, asked him if he was if he was hungry and took him to the Burger King and got him something to eat I didn't before they went and booked him. I'll tell you the tale of two Americas since we're talking, if we're going to get honest and open here. We're, we're of different ethnicities and different racial categories and different backgrounds. You came from South Central LA. I came from a, a upper middle class suburb in Detroit here where all the car executives lived. We could, we, we in many ways exemplify the two Americas here. And I don't think we talk to each other enough about those different experiences. We think everybody thinks just like us. Um, and I'll, I'll give you the perfect example that struck me very hard. Um, when Obama was elected president, many of us, me and my tribe, my side of the world here thought, hooray, we patted ourselves on the back. Uh, haven't we finally gone over that racial barrier that we grew up with? We are a post-racial society. We see people for who they are and everything. I really, I honestly, I heard people saying this. I believed it. And then we saw the outpouring of all the incidences, Trayvon Martin and the poor kid in uh, Missouri and all the others. No, 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 no. You know, here, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you one better. He's doing a state of, state of the union address. And one of the elected representatives <laughs> from South literally Carolina. said, you lie. Yeah. Never happened in and the history so, of America. Right. So what he was doing, he, he was disrespecting the person. He wasn't looking at the office. No. And, and, and he was seeing, he was seeing about whatever facts Obama was spitting out those days about we've done this and we've done this and we're going to do this. The other man, I'll, I'll say this as angry as he was, I think he really believed that that was a lie. And, and again, that shows the depth of how two people can look at the same world and see one saying, I'm trying to help the world. And the other saying, no, you're not, you're evil. You're a lie. You're everything you're about. Uh, you're, you're a Muslim. You're from another country. You're from another uh, world. You know, all that this stuff could take hold. They believed it. They, they believed, believed it. it. And even though it was a lie, they, what they did was they set that narrative and they put it in stone. It was almost like a record. Yeah. And it's just going round and round and round. It would be, they were being fed this, this all this false. My nonsense. late father and who, believed, who, who but here, believed but all that. No, here's the thing. You brought up Obama, which as a matter of fact, you're pretty much doing my show. For we're so, <laughs> Sorry. We're, I, we're so in tune today. I, I, I want you to think about this right now. They're thinking about as far as, you know, do we, uh, do we enact or invoke the 20, uh, 25th Amendment right. to get him out of office? Do we go ahead and censure him? Impeach him you know, again. Do right. we go ahead? Yeah, well, you know, what do we do? There, there's a problem. And and what do we do uh, to, to, lit up, uh, to, 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 he doesn't do any more damage. And what's the consequence I mean, for what no, he's no, done? Is there no let, consequence? Let me finish. Let me finish. Yeah. Let me finish. I want you to imagine if, President Barack oh. Hussein Obama huh. stirred up that crowd and turned them loose on the Capitol. And now they're trying to figure out how do we get Obama out of the, out of, you, they wouldn't have even had that discussion. He would have been gone. He would have been gone. I hate now, to say it. There'd be the people thing. who'd want to lynch him literally. Not only, I mean, he probably would have gotten the Kennedy treatment. Yeah. Right. right. But, but here's the thing. Check this out. Not only not if we if we if we're really being honest, I mean if we're really being truthful with ourselves, 
and saying, okay, look, looking at this scenario, what we're going to do is we're going to delay. We Yes, we're saying, okay, Trump is only going to be in office for a, a certain amount of days. So we're going to try to figure out what we need to do to mitigate the damage that he can cause between that period of time. Right. But what they're doing is they're allowing the narrative in the media is that his, the, the people that are closest to him are resigning and people are applauding that and saying, wow, you know what, well, it took, what, you know, why did you have to wait to 13 days? You know, now you're trying to change your covers, right. your, your, uh, you know, your stripes. No, what they're doing is the people that are in his cabinet are allowed to resign so that they don't have to cast a vote when it comes to the twenty, uh, the twenty fifth amendment. They don't want to go on record being that person because if yeah. they're not, if they're not there, they can't vote. That's a good they point. Can't vote for it. And so again, that's the narrative that's going on as far as people are being rope uh, doped or hoodwinked to thinking this is a good thing that these people are resigning. No, no, it's not a good thing. So let's because pull this they're around. Doing, they're, they're abdicating their responsibility. Let me see if I can pull this around to the theme of the show, because we could talk about this all day. And I think America is talking about all this right now, the shock of what we're having. But, but, the, but the point is, the show is that there are two Americas, uh, if maybe more even, but there are two Americas, the, the haves and the have-nots, those who uh, feel uh, that they've been screwed uh, and are uh, angry it's, and trying to find some boogeyman to blame, um, and it's interesting to me, I'll, I'll, let me say one thing and then we'll bring it back. When Bernie, I listen to Bernie, he appeals in many cases to the same group of angry, white, rural, uh, factory workers who feel screwed. Only he says a different boogeyman. It's wall street. It's the big banks. It's the big, uh, corporations. They've screwed you They take your jobs. They take your money, all this stuff. Uh, and, and let's unite along economic uh, lines. Trump comes along and says, no, 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 it's social. It's immigrants, Muslims, African-Americans, Californians, socialists, all this. He's got this whole other list. It's the cultural war. And so whether you divide people by economic issues or by cultural issues, in both ways, these people that I grew up with and knew that are my friends and relatives and family back there feel angry and screwed, and they're looking for somebody to blame. No, they don't look within themselves. They don't say, maybe I need to move, or maybe we need to rethink what we're doing or how we're doing it. They're looking for somebody to blame out of all this, oh. which is the essence of your show. Quit blaming others and find the, the, the path forward. But Paul, think about this. Those are the two policy issues. When, when you just define two policy issues between the Republicans and the Democrats. Right. And what I mean by that is Democrats, don't want to bail out banks and corporations and they want to tax the wealthy. Right. Republicans look at it as far as what Mitch McConnell did, as far as that $2,000 stimulus check. Right. What he said was, I do not want to give, uh, uh, I don't want to give socialism or, the, or money to America, these rich Democrats. Right. That's for, for them giving money to the society is socialism to them. Right. For the hand they, they would rather turn around. It's a handout. They would rather turn around and give, or they'd rather give that money to to bail out the banks or to bail out the airlines. Because that's different. That's stimulating jobs. That's promoting the economy. It's also lining their pockets with uh, rich donors. Right. But again, that, if but if you don't understand what's going on, you don't see the two differences based on the policies. Because there was a reason why Donald Trump 
put on hold as far as uh, uh, he first he threw a wrench in saying I want two thousand dollars to every person, which gave it the pre the people that the impression that okay we're gonna get two thousand dollars because Donald Trump said we're gonna get that's what he wants He's a man of the people McConnell McConnell said no we're not gonna do that because in our in you know that's socialism does so we're not gonna do that so what he did was he waited long enough to cancel these people's unemployment. Yeah. Now they don't have a check coming in. Oh. Then they find out that they're not going to get the $2,000. They're not going to get that either. So I'm going to ask you a question. Who do you think were storming the capitals? The haves or the have nots? The have nots. The have nots. Why? Because they, they're sick and tired. Even though you got a lot of people that will take the uh, the, uh, the 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 capitalistic position and say, "Oh, well, I don't want to, I don't want a handout, and I don't, I don't, I don't believe in socialism," but they'll get a social security check every single month. Yes, right. Don't take away my social security. Don't take away my social security, and don't take away my Medicare. Oh, that which don't is socialism, which is a what social is government program. Yeah. So you can't pick and choose. And that, that's the hypocrisy of it. Right. That's right. the hypocrisy. So here, let me go one step further into the hypocrisy. And I'm going to bring you and I together. And and, and you want to pull, peel back the uh, open people's eyes. I know we're going over here. We'll go over a little bit today because um, this is an important issue. What I don't understand is this. Uh, one of the principles of people in power, a group of people that wants to control another group of people, whoever that is, is divide and conquer the masses, get them fighting amongst themselves and they won't That's fight the against you. So That's right now, playbook. Donald Trump and the world that he represents, he's got the, all his have not poor white followers who've lost their factory jobs, who live in rural communities, have been devastated by uh, all the things that as people move out of those communities and lack of opportunity, lack of education, lack of jobs. He's turning them against you, African-Americans and Mexicans and immigrants, and he's trying to pit these two sides together rather than if they all looked at each other and said, wait a minute, I, you're not the enemy. It's not uh, African-Americans that are uh, uh, causing harm in middle, small-town middle America. It, it might be more the big corporations. It might be more the big banks or whatever, but it's not a it, – it, there is more that should be uniting them. If they came together and realized that we're all being, we're all part of the have nots. If the, if the have nots quit fighting amongst each other and came together, imagine the revolution that would happen then. If people, if, if you have a mob mentality. Yeah. Uh, and people saw that the other day, as far as the mob, you had a lot of people that were in that group that would have never done what they had, what they did exactly. had not been associated or part of that. Group. I agree. And all of a sudden, like again, the revival. So we, so the economy turns into a mob mentality right. to whereas, you know, people really start to feel, oh, well, I'm, I'm a part of the have nots. And so they begin to go with the flow instead of putting on the brakes and say, wait a minute, this is still America. And at any point in time, I can, I can put my foot on the brakes and focus on what it is that I truly want and understand the reason why you want this thing. And then the how will come based on it because you have all these opportunities. I mean, America is still the greatest country 
in the world. Yes. And that's why people want to come here all the time because you can, you can stop on a dime. You, you can have been going down the wrong. I mean, your, your whole life is telling you everything that you're doing is wrong. You know, my family's is messed up. My bank account is low. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't have an education in America. You can stop on a dime and all of a sudden start putting those building blocks back in place. Yes. You can't do that in a lot of other countries. No, you just can't. So instead of people just going with the flow of, 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 of the mob, they need to just, you know, stop for a minute and recognize where they are, who they are, and look at the opportunities and begin to rebuild. Right. Because that's what makes America so great. We can, we can build, we can rebuild our, our individual economies faster than any other place on the planet. And so going back to the wealth gap, you know, uh, people found themselves in this situation because it's you know, struggling financially because they didn't have savings. They didn't have a reserve. And so even I told myself in 2021, I'm going to stop using that word savings. I'm going to use the word reserve. I like it. The Federal because Reserve we, we, has a, yeah, it's like the Federal Reserve, right? Exactly. So start following that format as far as looking at your reserve, because if it's, if it's a savings, People are programmed and conditioned to spend their savings. Right. But if it's if it's a reserve, that reserve is serving a purpose, a specific purpose. So a lot of people have a hard time saving fiat money or fiat currency, which is the, which are these dollars, mm -hmm. which are fiat's a fancy Italian uh, Latin word that simply means made. Somebody made it. Or basically, it's not tied to anything. Right. There's it's no, just artificial. There's Poof. No it's artificial. There's no monetary value right. to that fiat, fiat Crypt currency. Cryptocurrency. It's based on the good faith. It's based on based on the faith of the United States of America that they're going to make good on this dollar. Right. What I, I got a client, and she had a hard time saving money. Had I mean, she just couldn't. Very good job, but you know, the more money she made, the more money she saved, and so more money she spent. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the more money she spent. So we flipped it around to whereas I got her to look at where she was. I got her to, 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 to print out uh, two forms. One of them is called a, 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 a income form, which is income and expenses. It's a statement of cash flow. Right. And the other form is her net worth statement, meaning that which is assets and liabilities. And what she began to understand, which again, I was trying to communicate to her, is you got poor middle class and wealthy or the rich on this planet. Poor people only focus on income and expense. Right. And their, and their narrative is I got to go to work so I can pay my bills. Mm -hmm. And so if they're focusing on income and expenses, that's going to leave you in two situations. You can either have a surplus or you're going to have a deficit. Right. You either got more money coming in uh, than you have going out or you got more money going out than you have going in. And if you have that more money coming in, your tendency is to say, Oh, I got some extra. I can go I spend got some more extra money to spend. Right. And so even if they try to save it because their expenses are higher than they need to be, then that saving is going to be wiped out. Then you have another segment of people, which is, the, which is the middle class. And so the middle class will go into what I call the asset column or the uh, liability column of their net worth statement, meaning that they have a lot of liabilities. So their income is going into the liability section, which could be a car payment, which could be a mortgage, which could be whatever it is that, that you took out a loan for. So they start and to so accumulate again, some assets, but those assets have a cost to them, right? Well, the thing is what they 
think our assets are actually liabilities because an asset is something that will put money into your pocket, whether you work or not. A liability is something that will take money out of your pocket, whether you work or not. So the narrative is what they think are assets are actually liabilities because Mm -hmm. all it takes is for you to lose that source of income, which is what COVID did. COVID exposed all of this. So people lost their income and they didn't have adequate savings or reserves and what they thought were assets were ended up being liabilities. They're sucking money out of your bank account instead of putting it in there. Then you have that third class, which is the wealthy or the rich. They focus on the asset column. That's their business. So they have income producing assets, whether they work or not. So that the income from those assets go back to the income column, down to the liabilities, which pays off their liabilities, which and then it goes outside of the expense column so they don't miss a beat you but, don't miss a beat but the so narrative the that was the narrative that we've been taught though to go back to the title of the show is the two americas and the perception is reality what you believe is is might as well be true because that's what your life is going to look like if you think you're poor and stupid and can't get out of it guess what you ain't going to get out of it if you think the world's against you, then it is against you, and there's nothing you're going to do to overcome it if, you, if, you, if you're convinced of that. If you think that only the rich can have assets, then you will never seek to have assets. That's right, because that's your false narrative. And right. based on all the suggestion, you keep repeating that. Whether, you, whether you, you consciously recognize it or not, subconsciously, it registers. And your subconscious mind believes everything that it receives. Right. So if you begin to believe that narrative, you're absolutely right. You're in, a, you're in a lose-lose situation. So going back to my client, she decided to change her vocabulary or that narrative to where she had a reserve. And so because she had a hard time saving fiat currency, which were dollars, which were being depreciated the longer she had it, she decided to start saving money in silver. Hmm. And she started accumulating this silver. And guess what? She didn't want to touch it because for one, it was a reserve. And two, it was a tangible item that maintained it. Its she value. could see it piling up. She could see it she there. Could see it. She could see it piling up. You know what? So it also wasn't going- easy to spend. She couldn't take that hunk of silver down to the grocery store, down to the uh, uh, apartment store and buy a dress or whatever. She could. Well, she actually, had to convert again, it. Yeah. Again, that's an old school narrative as far as tangible or assets not being easy to spend because her account was in an account to where it was at, it was totally liquid. Oh, okay. She could literally her silver was in her account to where if she went if she had if she needed that money for an emergency, she could immediately liquidate it, put it on a debit card, and go to the grocery store okay. and use that. Because yeah, you usually think of assets as something that it's a business you own, it's a uh, a property you have, it's a uh, gold in uh, an account somewhere. It's an oil well. It's not something, it's something that pumps and pumps and pumps and sends you money, but it doesn't, you get the rental income or whatever, but you don't, you can't liquidate it and sell it if you need the cash quickly. Exactly. And again, that's a false narrative. And that's, and people tend to believe that until they educate themselves, they get the information. Then all of a sudden you see that aha, that eureka moment. Oh, okay. Now I understand. Now I get it. So let's see if we so can come again, to a point to the show here today, which I'm going to say is. Well, here, here it is, though. I mean, here's the, here's the coup de grace. Right. Going back to the two Americas and the tale of two cities, to two cities. Based on that narrative that I gave you as far as the wealthy and they focus on the asset columns, if you look at what's been going on through, through 
through uh, the COVID-19 era, the wealthy, their income is increasing exponentially. Whereas the other side of the two cities and the two Americas, their income and their assets are dwindling faster than any other time in the United States. So the race doesn't go to the, to the, to the fastest or to the strongest. It goes to the, to the people or the individual that adapts. So we're in this period of time right now where people really have to adapt. And so I'm the, my show, Closing the Wealth Gap, um, I don't believe in luck. I think pe- things happen for a reason. Mm-hmm. But we're in a time right now that people need to close. Not only do they need to close that wealth gap, but they need coaching. They need that coaching. Uh, clearly, that we can't get there ourselves. We've got too many, like like a personal coach, like a life coach, you, you get, first you, or a therapist. You got to get through all this narrative, all this this uh, negative talk, this uh, stuff you've been programmed to believe. All this noise, yes, all the noise. So on my shows, and I, I was reluctant to do it, but now at the end of the show, I'm gonna let people know. You know, go to TyroneFrench.coach. You know, go to go to WealthCoaching.us right. and just log on. You know, you don't have to buy anything. There's nothing there. It's, it's information. Right. And if you decide that you want to take this to an, another level, yes, there's a there's a link that you can click on and, and and get that coaching. But the thing is, my coaching is only nine dollars and ninety five cents a month. What? Nine dollars. That's you know you're spending that on coffee a day. On coffee a day. And yeah. here's the thing. Imagine if you're a small business owner, you're getting you're getting wealth coaching. Guess what? That nine dollars and ninety five cents per month is tax deductible. Oh, it's tax deductible. So there's no reason for people not to get this information. But you know what you're doing right tape that's been playing in my head that I can't do this. I can't get out of this. This is this is who I am. This is where I'm going to be. There's somebody else to blame and they're going to hand me the answer. I can't find the answer myself. The answer isn't here. It's out there. And if we, and that's why I'm going to rally and stop all these things. Cause if I stop them, suddenly my life will get better. No, it won't. You got to find the answer in yourself and it starts by, and if you can't get there yourself, then you need a coach. The great Michael Jordan said he would have never been the greatest basketball player in the world. He would have been a good one, but he wouldn't have been the greatest if he didn't have a coach. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're just in that time right now where going back to a mastermind. You know, even the Bible says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. There you go. So with two people, two people coming together, it creates a third person, which is, you know, you're, you're getting ideas and you're getting information that you never would have thought of. Well, that's the and theme of this show. That's why people can come in. It's a, it's an online mastermind. Maybe we'll provoke you. Maybe we'll uh, uh, expose the truth. Maybe your eyes will open and the uh, a light bulb will go on and you'll finally realize that the narrative within you is probably the most controlling part of the problem right here, what you've been trained exactly. to believe and what you're telling yourself and your friends are reinforcing for you. But this is what I want people to, to this is the narrative that I want people to change and I want them to reinforce within themselves based on auto suggestion. Stop calling it a savings account, call it a reserve. All right, that's because our tip for the day. Enough, I'm gonna try if that. It's, if it's good enough for the government, it's good enough for you. I like it. All right, Tyrone French, we've we've done a, we've gone way over today here. We've done a tirade, but it was important because it, we we're trying to tie together the what we've seen in the news and the divisions in our society 
and realizing that we're fighting false enemies. The enemy is within ourselves. Within, it's the narrative it's what we've been taught and told. And, it, and that this notion, we, we are Americans after all, we do believe that we can control our own destinies and that we can take control of our own lives and close the wealth gap, for one, within our, our lives. Thank you for uh, Amen, bringing this brother. forward. Okay. Amen. All right. You've been listening to the one show that's going to shake you up. If you're ready to get shook up, quit raging against the world. Start looking within yourself. There are answers. There are guides. And there are sources of information like this that can help open your eyes and show you the way to close the wealth gap in your life. Right here in Orange County's only community radio station, OC Talk Radio. Uh, Net.